In Jesus' name we have prayed. Our Father, we thank you for today because we know that you have said to give us something, impart a spiritual gift to us again today. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. The book of Isaiah, chapter 62. We are going to read from verse 6. He said, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves, and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. He said, The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his strong arm, I will never again give your grain as food for your enemies, nor will foreigners drink your new wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it will eat it and praise the Lord, and those who gather it will drink in the courts of my sanctuary. Uh, we read this some time ago. We have been, a few um, well, a few Tuesdays ago, we began looking at um, the issue of watchmen upon the walls of Jerusalem. And I feel like I should just quickly say a thing or two that we said before so as to connect with the main thing I want to do today. What I want to do today is to encourage everybody or enlist everybody into making this a um, an important thing in their lives because it's our school of prayer. And remember, men ought always to pray and not to get tired. Remember, what God wants to do on the earth requires the cooperation of those who are on the earth. It requires their cooperation. If God wants to bless people on the earth, he requires the cooperation of the people that are on the earth. And the reason why he does is that the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. So that what happens is that they have the authority. It is not true that Satan took it away from the beginning and now it's in the hand of Satan. That is not true. You know, it's one of the doctrines we preach and say that Satan is ruling the whole world. Satan only rules those who bow to him. Are you getting my point? Authority still remains with individuals, that is, with we as people, with mankind. So what we do is that Satan, of course, what happens is that Satan goes around looking for who he can steal it from. He has to do that in every generation. He has to do it in every generation. Now, authority is still with us. So before God can do anything, therefore, he requires us to cooperate. The prophets must know. The prophets will declare them. God doesn't just do things except he wants to destroy totally. He doesn't do any good thing or anything in line with his plan except he informs his prophets. He said that himself. Surely the Lord God does nothing except he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Why does he do that? The prophets, they prophesy those things into the earth. And one of the things they do, their prophecies stimulate prayer. We remember that Jeremiah prophesied that 70 years Israel will be in captivity. He prophesied that. Now, even though he prophesied that they will come at the end of 70 years, Daniel discovered it. He needed to discover it and turn it to a prayer. We have established to us again and again here that even for Jesus to come, he, God had to stir up the hearts of people. I discussed that last week in different parts of the world. But we know the ones that were in Jerusalem, the ones that were in Israel. We know those ones. We know of um, Simeon. We know of um, Hannah. He stimulated prayer in them, and the coming of prayer of Jesus, people had to pray about those things. That's just the way it works. Now, we have also established, and we need to continue looking at it, that the most important thing that God is doing on the earth is spreading the knowledge of Christ Jesus. 
The reason is that that is a plan, the eternal plan of the ages. That is a plan of God from the beginning. I said he's replacing a race of mankind with another race. The first man, Adam, was from the earth. That's the first man. And then he has, he had children born from him. And the descendant was Noah. And children were born to Noah and they fill the earth today. But God created another man. And that is Jesus Christ. He calls him the last Adam or the second man. And what he's doing is his intention is to replace the first generation of people with the new generation which he calls Jesus Christ. So that is the most important thing that he's doing. And just like the first um, coming of Jesus was birthed through prayers, he's coming again in his body. Are you getting my point? But the church of Christ filling the earth will also be birthed through prayers. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. So we need to pray. God emphasized about it. I said something last time. Let me say it again. And that's the fact that one of the major things that Satan has done, the world has done for us, is to distract us, fill our eyes with things that are not right. All right, So that we, we are filled with the prayer points of our flesh. We are always sowing into the flesh. We are not sowing into the spirit. What I'm going to say is that, you see, churches gather. The primary thing is all my enemies. You know, you see, they will gather in thousands, tens of thousands, you know, scores of thousands. We gather. And then when you hear what we are praying about, this year is my year of breakthrough, my year of making more money. We pray about food. We pray about clothing. We pray about housing. The very things, don't forget, we focus our minds on the very things that Jesus said we shouldn't focus on. Are you getting my point? And, you know, that just, just by the way, sometimes when you see the way Christians behave, it's as if they don't read the Bible or they don't care. And when you quote it for them, sometimes I ask myself, how do Christians wangle around certain clear-cut things? I can give you a few examples. They tell Christians a man is not supposed to divorce his wife. And they do it routinely and nobody feels anything about it. They will tell Christians what you want to give. Try and make it private. Every time they will say everybody want to give a million, come to the front. I know, I'm not saying that <laughs> we are wicked and, I mean, God will kill us for it. I'm just wondering, how do we, I don't know, how do we wangle around it? How do we rationalize it? Like the one I've been, <laughs> the discussion we've having amongst my brethren for the last few days. They said God does not punish Christians. Some people said so. Some said lie, lie. And we've been pouring out scriptures to show that he does. We poured the scriptures out. Some of them say, no, no, God doesn't do such things. I said, but how do you explain away the scriptures? And I said, Ananias and Sapphira were not Christians. I said, ah. One of our brothers asked me a question. I dropped He said, Jesus never, never did any such things. I dropped one from Revelations for him. At the church in Thyatira, he told he said, that woman, I will put her on the bed of affliction and strike her children dead. Jesus opened his mouth and said, write it down. I said, how do you explain that? Now, I'm going to say something here. Jesus told us, don't make what I will eat, what I will drink, all my private issues, my personal matters, the focus of your prayers. And we don't seem to care. What did he say must be the primary thing? He said what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Last time we said, we talked about the prayer that has reward. And I established that it's a simple prayer. That is, this is the summary of it. It is prayer for the coming of the kingdom. That's the summary of it. It is prayer for the coming of the kingdom. That is the summary of the prayer that has reward. When the Lord Jesus said, listen, don't say your prayers openly so that men will see you and admire you. Like people give offerings. I said it last time, I don't want to go over it again now. You can get last week's message if you were not there. I explained it, that the prayer that has reward is a prayer for the coming of the kingdom of God. That's the summary of it. 
That is when he said that you have your, they have their reward. That is, he rewards people for praying for the coming of his kingdom. Now, I don't usually like to emphasize what the reward would be. Those days, we used to preach like that. Until now, many preachers do it. I'm just careful not to do it. To emphasize what that reward would be. What is my reason for not emphasizing it? Because then people start praying for wrong reasons. And then they don't get that reward. That's the problem. When their eyes are now focused. Listen, God says, I check the heart. If some people hear that, look, the way by which God will increase you in life is you will pray for the kingdom of God. It becomes their prayer point. But God says, I test the mind. I search the heart. So when you see that what they are looking for is the reward, they don't get it because the prayer is not sincere. You are getting my point here. So that's why I don't like to emphasize, even though there is a reward. There is. There is. There is. I just am not interested in focusing on it. I want to focus on divine responsibility. I want Christians to take pleasure in serving God. Look, like last time, you know, the, last, the last Bible study in my, my alumni fellowship, the conclusion of it was that after we have finished doing the will of God on the earth, what's our reward in heaven? I, I wrote, because I wrote most of the study, I wrote that, listen, no. Different words used to describe the reward that we'll get in heaven. Some say the crown of righteousness. Some will talk about, um, um, I'm giving them, you know, like the one Jesus will tell them, I will give them a new name. I will give them, you know, a, a white, a white stone. I said, there are different things that he said. I said, but what does each one of them mean? He said, it's irrelevant. What should matter to every Christian is that one day, and this is what you walk for and fight for, okay? That the Lord Jesus will look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what's most important to you. If you put that in mind, that is, what am I gunning for? I just want to be pleasing to God. I want to finish praying. And I said, Lord, did you like my prayer? And he said, that was nice. I said, thank you. So let's bear it in mind that is that God is pleased with us. That our prayers are pleasing to him. Do you understand my point? Prayers can be pleasing to God. It's possible for our prayers to be pleasing to him. It is very possible. Remember the story of Solomon. No, we all know the story. He finished praying a prayer and God was impressed. Don't ever forget that. You can finish praying a prayer, God will answer it and he's not impressed. And then just will say, what he's doing? Say, is that jobless boy? Give him that and let him go there. And you go to church to testify. But I took hold of God. Hallelujah. And I planted my seed. I took the seed and spoke to the seed. Seed, you will go out and bring this for me. And we'll have the testimony. Don't forget, when they grumbled for meat in the wilderness, when meat arrived, you know they had testimony. Don't let it go. Hold on to your dream. If you want meat, ask for meat. If Moses says no, say, I will not leave until you give me meat. Why? Because last week, that's how I wanted meat. And I got my meat. Initially, Moses was reluctant, but when I turned it to thanksgiving, and I began to declare upon the meat, and I said to the north, release meat. I said to the east, <laughs> release meat. I said to the south, release meat. And I said to the west, release meat. Brethren, meat began to come. Here I am, eating my meat. I have diarrhea, but don't worry, I'm eating my meat. <laughs> Because the Bible says, I gave them leanness, I gave them uh, meat according to their lust, and then sent leanness into their souls. What I'm going to emphasize, so our prayers can be pleasing to God. That's what we should target. It should make us happy. I prayed, and that prayer was pleasing to God. Forget that. Whether I will give anything, don't worry about it. 
just derive your satisfaction. Like Jesus said, my satisfaction comes from doing the will of him that sent me and finishing his work. It's important, all right? So, now, we're looking at that. So, what's a prayer that God rewards? It's prayer for his kingdom. It's prayer for the coming of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. That is a solution for the earth. I want to say it directly to Christians. I want to recruit the people of God. I want to say it directly to everybody listening to me. Make it a daily prayer point. When you wake up in the morning, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, please, I don't mean those who are fighting right now. Do you understand? Because America moved the embassy to Jerusalem. I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about that. Many preachers, especially from the West, they will disagree with what I'm about to say. But I will say it all the same. Do you know why? Because it's the truth. When the Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, he was talking about the church. Are you getting my point? It's a prophetic name for the church of Christ. He didn't mean pray for the land that they are fighting over right now. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray for that land. Did I say so? I'm just talking about what the Bible was talking about when the prophecy came. For example, Paul would tell you, we are the circumcision who worship in the spirit. That is, it is a spiritual Jerusalem. Let me just say this to you. I'll get back to it. I really want to get to what I want to say now, right? Let me just say this briefly. When they wanted to build the temple, he sent for Nathan. And Nathan said to, said to him, do what you are. Nathan now came back and said that God said you will not build the temple. What did God say? No, what did he say after that? That you will not build the temple. Who will build it? That, he didn't say Solomon. He said your son. You see the way even a man of God said Solomon. That's how we make the mistake. He said your son will build me a temple. Listen. Either you accept the gospel of Jesus or you re- reject it. If you accept it, accept it. I found out, do you understand, that the son that Nathan talked about was not Solomon. Solomon was a foreshadowing of that son. David misunderstood. He gathered materials for Solomon. And God was okay with it. But we found a letter in from the book of Hebrews that the son he was talking about was Jesus Christ. And that's why he was called the son of David. And he's building a temple not made with human hands. This is how these things work. God said he will build me a temple, right? But the same God said I don't dwell in a temple made with human hands. We all as living stones are being built as that temple. The temple Jesus, God talked to, through Nathan, to David. It's not that one in Jerusalem. I don't have time to go into it. If you know how God has endured our stubbornness, I will say this, and I will tell you clearly. That temple in Jerusalem, God was not interested in it one bit. It was Solomon that wanted it. It was Israel that wanted it. It was because they could not take their eyes away from comparing themselves with the nations around and the magnificent temples in which they worship their gods. That was why God gave it to them. Say, but it's God that gave it to them. And I saw God they do us. When we know they hear word. What I've told you is a matter of fact. You know what he says? When did I complain to you that I didn't like my tent? So let's get this clear. When he's talking about Jerusalem, that was a foreshadowing of the church of Christ. When he's talking about Zion, that's a foreshadowing of the church of Christ. Except you want to reject the gospel of Jesus. 
when he said pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the way I understand it, he was talking about the Church of Christ. I see Americans, I know one of our big brothers in America, organize Christians in support of Israel. There's a coalition of Christian support of Israel. I have no problem with that. For example, now, Apostle Okimuti is going to start Christians in support of Udi people. Israel has said that his own is Christian in support of Ogu people. My wife's own is Christian in support of Delta people. I am Christian in support of Enugu hmm? people. I'm a Enugu man. A whole of Enugu. I'm the Archbishop of Enugu. <laughs> the Lord is good. So you can organize Christians supporting anything. And it is godly for you to organize in the same way Christians in support of Palestinians, Christians in support of Arabs. It's what you are promoting that matters. What you need to promote is justice, truth, and most importantly, the peace that allows you to preach the gospel of Jesus. There is no redemption for that land, Jerusalem, until the people therein believe in Christ Jesus. And you know what? They don't. They don't at all. So instead of all this prayer, 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 pray for the gospel to shine there. I've seen people say that they are going to build a third temple. I say it makes no difference. The temple that Jesus is returning to is the one that you and I are the stones. So we must be properly built. I hope you're getting my point. We must be what? Properly, properly built. I see Christians gather sometimes. I just I shake my head. I feel bad. And listen, like Samuel, I'm feeling the pain of Jesus Christ. I know how he feels, and I'm not joking about that. The apostles say once he asked the Lord, how do you feel about Christmas? Say, God, Jesus reminded him of something by his own life. How do you feel about that? Say, I hate it. Say, me too, I hate it. Some people are doing that. calling Christmas. He has a feeling about everything. Sometimes I feel his pain. They don't recognize him. They misinterpret him. The son of David that Nathan talked about is Jesus Christ. The peace of Jerusalem that he spoke about is peace for the church of Christ. That's why we read this Isaiah chapter 62. Upon your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. What are these watchmen? People who pray so that what God wants to do will be done. I'm recruiting everybody again to rearrange their prayers and every single day pray effective prayers for the body of Christ first in this country or whichever country you are dwelling in. And then in the countries that surround yours. And then the whole continent you are living on. And then don't forget in the whole world. But primarily, the prayer is for the Jerusalem of God. I hope you're getting my point. You know, the Bible talks about hearing is the righteousness of God revealed. The Jerusalem of God is the church of Christ. So when you want to pray, I've seen Christians gather before. Is everybody turn, face the east and point. That is a wrong interpretation of scripture. The word of God is being wrongly divided. Please, let's get it clear. Many people don't realize that. Do you know, until we there, I sat down and said, let me check. You now, I'm just going through the reference in the book of Hebrews. And he said that to which of the angels did he say, 
I will be a father to him. He will be a son unto me. So I just let, let me look for the reference in the Bible. I found that it was Nathan that was speaking. And until that day, I thought he was talking about Solomon. I now found that people that Jesus, you see, how did those men know? Go and read Luke chapter 24. You will find out how they knew. Jesus himself opened the scriptures and showed them from Genesis to Malachi everything about himself. He showed to those people, he said, listen, I know, I know for days after the resurrection, they were having meetings. He was teaching them. He would take Genesis and go through it line by line and show Christ, show himself in every line of things that were there. By the time they came out from being taught by Jesus, they understood the whole of Genesis to Malachi to be about Jesus Christ. They never thought it meant natural Israel anymore. That's why Paul would say, we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. Why? Jesus had taught him about what true circumcision is. You are getting the point. That's why Paul will say, peace be upon the Israel of God. Do you know he said that? What was he saying? He was talking about Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ. So, please bear in mind. So that when I say pray for the peace of Jerusalem, may they prosper that love thee. He's talking about the church of Christ. That is where blessing is hidden. But like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to amplify the personal gain. People, people lose the reward when they are looking for it. That's where the blessing is hidden. For people to love Jerusalem, the Jerusalem of God, the Israel of God, and make it their prayer point. That is where the blessing is hidden. And he said it clearly. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And every other thing will be added to you. Listen, in life, you can be seeking all those other things. You will get some of them. But you can only get the ones you are seeking. Do you get my point? For example, if you need a car and you pray for a particular brand, when you finish using your spirit, doing your spiritualism, you will get it. But God said, if only this guy had focused on something better. Well, I'll give him a car, a second one, a third one, a fourth one, a fifth one, a helicopter. <laughs> you get my point? A plane, a boat. It's not transportation. I will have created a need in his life that I will have to meet with all of these things. Look at him. He spent two years seeing it. I, I see it. I see it. I see it. Because what is he seeing? 504. So remember what they are seeing. By the time he finally comes to pass, it's out of, it's out of date. So people were seeing Homer. I see it. I see it. I see it. By the time their Homer finally came, nobody wanted it again. I saw it. It came to pass. And Jesus said, should I have just prayed about what is serious? I will have given you things you did not see. Yeah. I don't know why you're getting my point. There are things you did not see. You just wake up one day and see it. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not the one you're seeing. You just see it at your doorsteps. You just see it. Now, so please, like I said, I'm recruiting people. Who will say every day, that's the more important thing for me now. My prayer is not, my business needs to grow. That's not it. My prayer is not, I need to make progress. My business needs to grow. That's not the thing that's pushing me now. What is pushing me is that these lies we tell in our churches must come to an end. What is pushing me is that ah, I will pray until every pastor exhausts Jesus and they forget following other things. You know, today something led to it. I downloaded a video from YouTube. Sadhus, Sadhus Elvaraj, you know. And I, he was saying some things 
And I said, the same thing we were talking about yesterday here. You know, my wife and I talked about a number of things. The same thing the man was complaining about. Maybe that's why God led me to the video. About what is going on in the body of Christ. One of the examples I gave right now. About the fact that the pastor would just wake up. Say God spoke to him that he should divorce his wife and marry his secretary. And he was preaching this in America, thank God. <laughs> he said, what is wrong? What is going on in this country? He was preaching, was angry. That he would not say, you carry your money so that God can, you sow a seed so that God can multiply. I said, ah, okay, are you two the vex over this matter? Same thing. And I noticed that, you know, I realized that those things, listen to me, those things pin the heart of Jesus Christ. It does. They make him feel bad. He looks at the church and says, is this what I want them to be like? And he says, for me to change those things, people must get up and pray effective prayers. Open your Bibles. There's something I want us to read. So the question is that, what are we supposed to pray about? First of all, we'll read, because what I'm trying to do in this series is to show us how to pray for the body of Christ. I think we've already established that that's the primary thing we should pray for outside. That is, if you are praying for yourself, the most important prayer is for understanding. We talked about the most important prayer then. But when you are praying outside you, the most important thing you pray for is the Jerusalem of God. It's for the Israel of God. Two things in, in it. One, we said before, God, what God is doing is spreading the knowledge of Christ. Jesus has come. Paul said, I'm doing my portion. In fulfilling that, how did he say it? In supplying that which is lacking in the sacrifice of Jesus. For a long time I used to wonder, ah, what does this bro mean? How can you say something is lacking in the sacrifice of Jesus? Or later I now understood that it was clear what he was doing. What was he doing? He was going around spreading the knowledge of what Jesus did. That is, he said, in summary, if Jesus does something and people don't know about it, they can't believe those things and it will not bless them. So Paul said, I am doing my part. Every day he will go to a place like Ephesus. And daily teach for years. Every opportunity he will teach. Propagating that gospel. Are you getting me? Is what he was calling what was lacking. That is, you no, know, I remember one story Ed Cole told. Ed Cole said, of course, he said he's not sure it really happened, but he read it somewhere. After resurrection, after ascension, that Jesus got back to heaven. And the angels were also excited because things they had planned for a long time finally had been executed. So they asked Jesus, how did it go? He said, it went well. The whole world is now saved. They said, no, not yet. Ah, They were like, what's going on? You've died. You are, you've rose up from the dead. He said, what's going to happen next? He said, I left 12 men. That they will now feel, in summary, they will fill the earth with the influence that I have generated by my going down to the earth, dying and rising again from the dead. And the dangers were alarmed. Like 12 men, men, human beings, you left the plan of the ages in the hands of 12 men. Is he one of those guys that we saw the other day that denied you three times? Are you getting my point? <laughs> Is that not one of them? <laughs> they said they were alarmed. That co was saying. So they said that, what if they fail? And he answered, I have no other plan. That's what that co was trying to explain. That the plan of God has been committed to the hands of men. So if we fail, there is no other plan. I hope you are getting my point here. And listen to me. Even though we will say theoretically, it's not likely to fail. If you have that attitude, you will not, you, it's people like you that will make it fail. 
It may, not, it may not fail eternally, but it can fail in one generation. I don't know whether I get my point. Yes, it can fail in a particular generation. That one I know for sure. Generations come and go without experiencing what God wanted them to experience. And when God gives you the reason why, he will say to you, it is because the people I wanted to spread that influence did not do it. They were the demasis. They went after other things. They did not focus on spreading the knowledge of truth. I told you before that my friend, Pastor Corey, when he was going to Meduguri, before he even decided to go, one of the things that they talked about in Sokoto, their own angle, where God gave them a lot of peace you know, from all the troubles. And they knew what they had to do to get the peace. The peace didn't rain on them. They fought for it. And it's not political fight. It's not political fight. It's not can gather. Let's go, let's send the representation to IG. In fact, he was PFN chairman at that time of Sokoto State. When they came to him, he said, what should we do? He said, what can you do? He said, we'll get metal detectors, bomb detectors. He said, when you have finished detecting the bomb, what next? So everybody was confused. He said, listen, we are Christians. We are ministers of the gospel. What we have as power is prayer. Let's go and pray. And they prayed and God answered. I don't want to go into details again. But now says something. He said, they now reason that what happened in the Northeast and their conclusion was that the people that God planted there, they ran away. I don't know whether you're getting the point. The people that were supposed to spread the influence of God there, they disappeared. Somebody fired a bullet into the air, they disappeared. Even before the bullets came, they had gone to look for greener pastures. They had gone to plant churches where the land is good. You know the way we in Enugu run to Lagos and Portaco to go and do church? You know now. We do that a lot. Am I alone here? We do it. Without a church in Enugu, it's not moving. Or it's moving. If it's moving, it's even worse. We feel like it can blow some if we run to Potakot and go to Lagos. We do that down here. Up the day, run to Abuja. Many men ran to Abuja and left those areas fallow. And evil spirits came in and took them over. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. So they had to fight for that peace. What I'm emphasizing is that the reason that what happened, that the peace that should have gone to the other place was supposed to be generated by the people of God going there to do their duties. What am I saying? It is possible that in a generation, what God wants to do will not be done. The plan of Jesus can fail. Now, listen, it can fail. They can tempt God in the wilderness and thereby do what? Limit the Holy One of Israel. That is what the Holy One of Israel wanted to do. He will not be able to do it. Why? The people limited him. They limited him. They said, you will not do it. I said last time, the reason why God says, I get that as an illustration, that the reason why God started NYSC was so that he can use young men and women to move the gospel to different corners of this country. And it worked. And at the, time, at the point in time, we said, no, let's pull our young men back. We started conversing for the scrapping of NYSC. Why? We feel secure down south. Are you getting my point? Yes. Nobody ever said that from up north. It's southerners that feel full. I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. That's what David said. They said in their prosperity, evil will not come upon us. Why are we exposing our children to evil? And God said, listen. He said, what happened here? They killed two coppers here. What happened? Two NYC members were killed here. Three were killed at that place. Total all of them together. The Lord said, how many total? 
Compare that to the number of people that die in your bus accidents in the south on a daily basis. You have not stopped driving. Compare that to the number of people that kill themselves in cults, gangs, on campuses. You have not shut down the schools. Can't you see how you are falling for the temptation of the enemy? Obviously, the world is working. I'm explaining the principle here. What I said then is that if all of us kept on saying, close it down, close it down, close it down, God will oblige us and shut it down. That's why Christians, be careful what you pray for or wish for, like they say. You may get it. But listen, the fact that God gives you something, is not the comp- it doesn't make it compulsory that that thing will bless you. How you get it out of him matters. If you shout and shout and shout and shout, when you finish shouting, you're getting my point? God will shut it down. But the blessing, the purpose he tied to it, he will not because of you find an alternative. He will wait for the next generation. So you find what he will have done in 50 years will take him 150 years. Why? Because of us. No, I'm provoking us to responsibility. What am I going to say? If you wake up every day, you are still confessing. My car, my motor car, my motor car, my motor car, more money, more money, more money. You are hindering. It sounds funny, but you are hindering the progress of God's agenda on the earth. He said, for goodness sake, seek first the kingdom. I'm saying to the people of God, listen, you wake up in the morning, make it. I mean, the last two meetings on this matter, I've explained this. That what God is doing is advancing the cause of Christ. And the major problem on the earth is that that cause of Christ has not advanced enough. I gave an illustration last time. That if, look, they motivated Lazarus for how many days? How many days? Women motivated him. They were, they were the best motivators. They cried. The men motivated him. They are not very good motivators because they are angry. You are, even awake, you are afraid to wake up from the dead. If men are motivating you, you don't want to wake up. If you are dead and women are the one motivating you, you want to rise again. That's a matter of fact. They will be crying. Ah, what happened? Why did you die? You are leaving us heartbroken. Oh, help us. Men, you know how they motivate you? Nonsense. How can he just die like that? This guy does not even calculate things. Now, that is dead. Look at the problem he has left behind. If you hear that, you will not wake up. <laughs> because you know if you wake up in a fight. The women motivated Lazarus. They did. For this, he didn't wake up. Jesus showed up. The moment he got there, the first words he addressed at Lazarus, it raised Lazarus up from the dead. Raised him up from where he was lying down. Raised him up to a standing position and pushed him to the door of the tomb. He was still bound. That was how powerful. Now, that tells us something. All the motivation, you know, organizing, you know, business seminars, all those kind of things, will not help dead people progress. That's why I said, if you are arranging money to go and do business seminar in one bush corner of Africa, to bring them out of darkness, I won't give you one cobble. But if you say, let's take Jesus there, that he might speak to their dead state, then we should spend the money. I hope you're getting my point here. We should understand the importance of what we are talking about. Before, they used to tell us, the church prays too much. They are not action. They don't have action. And now I realize that their statements shouldn't make. They tell you, I'm burying your head in the sand. I say, if the sand is the word of God, bury my neck with it. Bury my shoulders. 
push me down until I'm totally in it. It is not right for us to say the church is just praying and hiding behind the word. No, that's what they are supposed to do. If you understand the power of prayer, if you understand the power of prayer, you won't make those statements. What am I going to say? We should pray effectively for the church of Christ. We should understand its importance in what God is doing. Now, more than ever before that I understand it, I am more committed to the propagation of the gospel of Christ. That is the, I know what Paul said, it is the power of God unto salvation. And go and check the meaning of the word salvation. It means it was the power of God unto development. It is the power of God unto healing. It's a pa- it sounds funny. It is the power of God to the ending headsman crisis. If you had told Paul there's a headsman crisis in Nigeria, you know what he would do? He would deploy <laughs> Silas, Timothy, you know, everybody that will go, and they will go there and start preaching the gospel from town to town. Saying that if we preach the gospel everywhere, the trouble will go away. That's the meaning of it is the power of God unto salvation. We need to be more committed to it. And what I'm teaching today is Christians. We're talking about prayer. He said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. There is the Jerusalem of God. There is the Israel of God. He said, upon your walls, O Zion, I have set watchmen. What is their job? Let's read it again. He said, all day and all night, they will never keep silent. I said before, <laughs> when Satan wants to deceive us, he keeps us busy. We don't keep silent, is what we are talking about as the issue. He said, all day and all night, they will never keep silent. Then he turned to these watchmen. He said, you who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise on the earth. Let me tell you what that means. I thought I'm giving us prayer points. There's a scripture that we should read, right? Yeah, I mentioned it briefly. Let's go there. Before I explain what it means to be a praise on the earth. Let's open there. Second Peter. Let's read from chapter 1. The break there actually is from verse 16. Peter was talking about the assurance they have in what they were preaching. Something interested me. Just talking about the praise on the earth. If you read the verses before, you'll see. You read verse 13. Verse 14. That Peter said that he knew that he was going to die soon. We're not discussing it now. Okay? How did he know? He said the Lord had revealed it to him. Something struck me. The two main men you hear about in the Bible were Peter that's, and um, Paul. That's this, uh, the apostles of Jesus Christ. There are two main ones you hear about. Uh, uh, Peter and Paul. Both of them said the same thing. Did you notice that? Peter said it. If you read that one, he said, I know that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. That's verse 14. How do I know? He said, because the Lord Jesus made that clear to me. Paul wrote also at the time. He said, I'm in a difficult situation. I'm trying to make a decision whether to leave or to stay. Then he reasoned about it. He said, if I stay, it's better for you, so I will stay. Then the time he wrote to Timothy, he said, the time for me to go has now come. You know what I'm trying to say by that? I think part of the glory of God is that we should know when our old men are going. It's not right that he traveled, he had an accident, he died. And the ministry scatters. Because of Kimote, Felix, and Israel, they are trying to decide who is more powerful. <laughs> you know what? Ministry now scatters. It's not right. Are you getting my point? It's not right. 
It, no, I read it. I just said, this is not right. Read it. Peter told them. Now listen to me. Both of these men were beheaded or something like that. They were killed for Christ. That tells you that their death, even though it was by the hands of the persecutors of the church, their deaths were not accidents. The man that interested me, no, at this one, it was such a tremendous blessing. Is uh, Theodore Epp. Theodore Epp came to a Bible school and read, you know, the letter to Timothy that Paul wrote that we're talking about here. And he now said, I can say like Paul, I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. You know, I have finished my race and all of that. He said, dead remains only for me. Now, he finished speaking like that. I said, this will be my last. Now, listen. He said, this will be my last public lecture. Unless the Lord Jesus rules otherwise. And he was not sick. And next day, I don't know what led. He went to get something. Maybe check something in the hospital. Or I don't know what happened. Suddenly, the man, there was one small thing that happened and he died. And it was striking because he preached on a Sunday or Saturday. The following week, he was gone. I have that message. One day I, I looked for it. I had the message in my collection. The last message he preached. I had the transcript. I read the transcript in 1993 when I was seven. That is the glory of God. Somebody say amen. amen. I don't believe that God wants us to be dying carelessly. That I will tell you bye bye. We'll see tomorrow. Then tomorrow is now when Jesus comes back. It's not right. It's not right. But that's not what we're talking about, is it? No. Let's read our message. Now, he said, for we did not, now listen from verse 16. For we did not follow clearly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received glory and honor from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He said, and we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure. That if we had the words of the prophet, but that experience made it more sure to us. To which you do well to pay attention to. As to a lamb shining in a dark place. That is the prophetic word. Everything the prophet said about Jesus Christ. Alright, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Now please follow this. We are supposed to have assurance in the prophetic words that's in the scriptures. He said, note this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. That is, men didn't just say it by themselves. He said, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Now, I just backed up to get to this. This is actually where I'm going. He said, but false prophets also arose among the people. Just as there will also be false teachers amongst you. In the old covenant, the problem was what? False prophets. In the New Testament, the problem will be what? See, T.B. Joshua is not a problem. David Elijah is not a problem. They are not problems. I have never, you know, it's just a pity that some of us went and introduced some of those men and said, this is a man of God. We didn't have a problem with them before. We know their trade. We know their tale. I mean, we know their manner. We know what they do. In the New Testament, the problem is what? False teachers. False prophets are not the problem. They tell me that Jesus is coming next week. And next week, next week will come to pass. The other day, some people compiled a list of people who prophesied that Muhammad Buhari will die. And they were checking them off as they were dying and comparing how many days after their death Muhammad Buhari is still alive. 
they were, comp- that is, as a man died, they would say, this man said, they will give you the date he said that God told him that Buhari is going to die before the end of 2017. They died the day the man died. And show you that this number of days after that, Edward State is still alive. False prophets are not a problem in New Testament. They are not. The problem in the New Testament is false teachers. They are the ones interpreting the prophecies of old. They are the ones telling you, you know, let's continue reading. You'll see why I'm reading all of this in a moment. It's a false teachers will also arise among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the will of the truth will be maligned. He said, many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the will of truth will be slandered. You know, I was discovering one of our brothers this. I said, I, I use your boss that you tell me about, who's a pastor in a Pentecostal church, but is a womanizer. I use him to preach. He laughed. He said, he now told me a small tale. He said, let me tell you more. I said, what again? He said, a foreigner came to work in their company. The man started pursuing that one again. Now, that one is, is an idol worshiper, the country she came from. So he invited her to church. And he went to, she went to church and found him preaching. And she left there laughing her heart out. Because of him, the way of truth is being what? Slandered. And listen, when you see misbehavior amongst Christians, the foundation is just one thing. What is what? What is that? Wrong teaching. When Christians misbehave, the reason is one. They are being wrongly taught. They are being taught that it does not matter what they do. If they are saved once, they are still saved forever. It makes no difference. So they are very confident to continue in their iniquity. Please let me rush. I wanted to, let me just, well, I'll read through this so I can explain the prayer point I want to bring out from there. He said, men may follow their sensuality or evil and the immorality, and because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. I, I need to read that New Living Translation. He said, in their greed, they will, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. You know, it's interesting. Is, is it not coming to pass before your eyes? He said, in their greed, they will invent clever lies to get hold of your money. He said, but God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. Let's read from verse 4. He said, for, okay, for time's sake, please, I'm just going to jump, okay, because I'm watching my time. I really want to get the thing I want to say. He described these people. Let's go to verse 12. He said, but these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling what they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed, suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. They count it as a pleasure to revel in daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deception. Can you see what's happening? And these are what? Wrong what? What are they? 
false teachers. That this is a problem the body of Christ will have. Paul Peter was saying. He said, there are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery that never cease to sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children. Now, I want to say this to you. Will you believe this if I told you that these guys are Christians? That he's describing. It's hard for people to accept, but they are Christians. You'll see it in a moment. You know, <laughs> some people say that they, were, they are not born again. No, Peter didn't say so. You'll see it in a moment. Which verse did I stop? It caused them what? Accursed children, forsaking the right way. That is, they were in the right way. They had gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke for his own transgression. For a mute donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. Said, these are springs without water, and mist driven by a storm. He said, for whom the black darkness has been reserved. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. Is it not interesting? I have noticed the people who go around bragging about the righteousness of God that are in Christ Jesus, once they are saved, they are never, they are, they are always saved. What they do do not matter. Experience. I've seen them for decades. Just like Peter said here, they are people who are slaves of corruption themselves. I've seen them. They will say the focus of their teaching is new creation. Listen, we all learn new creation as the truth of God. I hope you know that. I hope you know it's true. Righteousness by faith is what? It's true. But it's, they preach in a funny manner. Then they now start extending it. That what you do with your body does not matter. I have noticed that, look, sin, there's nothing like sin. Those people walk in sin habitually. That is, they promise freedom. But what is the situation? They themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. Peter said, what do I mean? He said, for what you are a slave to is that which controls you. That anything that controls you, you are a slave to it. If you cannot, if you say you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you are a womanizer, you are a slave to adultery. There's no, there's no, you get my point? Don't say, don't rationalize it. That you are a slave. Ah. Remember your friend? Let's not go there. You know what that guy needs to be told? I've not seen him in a long time. Most of them say, well, you need to give your life to Christ. You haven't. And like I went to David Paulson the other day, David Paulson said, listen, when people give their lives to Christ, eh, there will be a dramatic change in their lives to prove that they actually did. Now, it doesn't mean they become perfect. He gave an example. He said, a young lady came to him and said, you are frustrating me. And he said, how am I frustrating you? He said, you persuade me to be a Christian. He said, ah, why is that frustration? That's through his preaching. He said, eh, because no matter how hard I try, it doesn't seem to work. So, it, so as he was talking, he began to pray. God gave him a word of knowledge. I said, who do you live with? He's like, what? Who do you live with? Is he your husband? Do you understand? The story started. He's not your husband. 
So why are you not married to him? He said he doesn't believe in marriage. Marriage really it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything as long as we love each other. So the man said to her simply, it doesn't work like that. He said, that has been the problem. So what do I do? He told her straight. You have to abandon relationship. It's now a choice between him and Jesus. He said, I wish I could tell you that she made the right choice. He said, I wish I could. He said, because just like that man that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to gain eternal life? She turned and left. She just turned. That is, getting born again is not a convenient thing. It's not just belief. No, believing goes with repentance. It's not just agree. You agree that Jesus died on the cross? The devils also agree. Was he raised up again on the third day? The devils all agree. Are they saved? James said, of course. Their faith does not save. Listen. So he said, now listen to the point I was making earlier, that they were Christians. Now I said that. Verse 20. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world. Now notice verse 20. Let me do that new living translation I was reading earlier. He said, and when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up again and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. Now, please, let me read that again. I like the way my new American says it. He said, for if after they have escaped the defilement of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entrapped in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. What does that tell you? They were born again. Is that not what he said? They escaped by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then again they are overcome. Now let me ask you a question. If their current state, if their former state, in their former state, were they saved? No, 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 no. In the former state before they knew Jesus Christ, were they saved? Then they became saved, true or false? If their last state is worse than the former, are they still saved? Because if they were, if you were still saved, you can't describe their state as being what? Worse. It would have been better. I read this, I told my wife, I said, why have we been arguing on this matter of one saved, always saved? Did Peter now not say, these people are worse off now than before they knew Jesus. The problem in the church, I'll talk about that next time, watching my time, is wrong teaching. That's why Peter said, false teachers will arise. The problem in the church is wrong teaching. The former times, the problem was false prophets. That was the problem formerly. False prophets. But now, the problem we have is what? False teaching. Wrong teaching. False teachers. Wrong teachers. We were having a discussion in my alumni fellowship, our chat group. And one of our brothers referred us to one particular message. Pastor Corey called me, who's now the president? You know, I'm no longer the president. He said, what is he referring us to? That man is part of the problem of the church of today. I don't know where my point. Like we're arguing on something, saying that look, uh, this is the truth. This is the truth. He said, okay, I don't have time to argue now. But if you want to hear it, go and listen to this man on this particular message. He called me. He said, no, I'm going to rebuke everybody. Don't listen. He said that man is part of the problem of the Christianity of today. 
I don't want to go into those teachings now. That's not my message. Because my main message is to teach us how to pray. So you see, we have a problem. You see, little by little, evil crept in. Like I said, we take things that Jesus spoke against, obviously. We have a way to explain them away. We start doing them, and we think it's okay. And people, false teachers will come in. I saw a man preaching once. He said, and you know, people were getting excited. I was, I was grieved. My soul was grieved. He said, where did you hear that spiritual things are free? That freely you have received, freely you, are, you will give. So that thing is misinterpreted. He said, free is different from freely. <laughs> are you hearing the word? That free is different from freely. That he doesn't hide it. When you call him to pray, you first show him the offering you have for him. He said, it's not one of those prophets that is ashamed to collect his offerings. I was looking at this man like this. He said, there's a word of difference between free and freely. He said, freely means that to flow without hindrance. He said, freely, without hindrance, you have the anointing has flowed into your life. Make sure there's no hindrance flowing. He said, but the money must be complete. It's not free. The anointing flows freely, but it's not free. You know, when we twist some words there, even the Englishman gets confused as to <laughs> the meaning of his own language. <laughs> People of God, I'm teaching us how to pray. How does God see this situation? From the words of Peter, taught by the Lord Jesus himself, you can see the heart of God. He doesn't like it. It breaks his heart. I was meditating about it this afternoon. I said, Sometimes we pray, God shut them down. And that's not a bad prayer in itself, but it's, an, it's not a good, you don't start from there. Because if you shut some down, new ones will come up. The vacuum. So what should you pray there for? You take the, you know, remember, he said, you will give him what? No rest. What is his plan? We read that from Isaiah chapter 62. We see that when he has a plan, what he does is to reveal it, and that is what the people that's what the people take up. Do you get my point? And used to give him no rest. He said, the Lord has sworn by his right hand, verse 8, and by his strong arm, I will never again give your grain as food to your enemies. Now, I'm giving an example here. You see that what he was telling them, that this is what I want to do. What was he saying? You will see it, now listen to this, that your grains are still going to your enemies. So, so when the watchmen see it, what would they do? They will give him no rest. They will take that word and keep it up until God establishes that promise that he has given to Jerusalem. Are you getting my point here? So how do we pray for the church of Christ? I've just described a scenario that Peter told us will happen. And the fact that we're told something will happen does not mean we should allow it. It's a warning. Are you getting my point? He said these are the problems you will have. And I said, how do we cope that? It is simple. Jeremiah chapter 3. A promise that God gave. For time's sake, I'll just jump down to verse 15. He said, Then I will give you shepherds or pastors, depending on the Bible you have, after my own heart. And this is an interesting thing. People say that, ah, this man has the heart of a pastor. What do they mean? He visits people. If you are sick, you come and tell you, Kwele. If your back is paining, he will rob it for you. If you need money, he will help you get that money. Say, so oh, he has the heart of a pastor. I didn't find it in my scriptures. The Bible says the job of a pastor is to feed the flock. With what? Grass or money? No. 
with knowledge and understanding. The fact that you can say it by le is not what makes you a good pastor. No. The primary duty of a pastor is to feed people with knowledge and understanding. I like what the Miles Monroe said. He said, whose job is it to visit the sick? He said, Dickens. He said, elders. He said, anyone sick amongst you? Let me call upon you. That's what the church. <laughs> That's Miles Monroe. Is anyone sick? Let him call upon the elders of the church. That the primary duty, you understand, of a pastor is what? To feed with knowledge and with understanding. Not just to tell people what to do. I was listening to Sadhu Savara this afternoon, and he was talking about the sin of uh, which church now? Anyway, he was talking about part of the principle of the Nicolaitans. He was explaining he said the principle, that's his own, I mean, I've heard many explanations about that Nicolaitan principle, but this is what, the, what he was saying. He said, they lift up the, the pastors to a high level, that everything you want to do, you must go and take permission. You want to marry, you say, can I marry this person? The pastor will approve or disapprove. What is, it, what is the other, what is the opposite of approve? Disapprove, eh? Is that English correct? All of you are sure. Okay, this approver. Okay, okay, it's correct. Okay. You want to do a business, you have to tell the pastor. He will say, let me go and check. He will come and say, go ahead. Or don't go ahead. This man says, sell it. Pentecost have lent it. There are churches that are run like that now. You can't make a decision except pastor agrees. Sadhu Savaraj said, it's a Nikolai town principle. The primary duty it's not to make every decision for people and you say you're yeah, a good pastor. Like I say, it is right to bless people. The priests of God, all of us as believers, we have a duty to bless. So people that look up to you, issue a blessing upon them. But it's not that every journey they want to take, they need approval from you. First, I'm thinking of going to Nature tomorrow. Why? I need to go and get some new supplies for my business. Let me pray. No, just say, no, you can't go. Say, pastor say, we can't go. That's witchcraft. I'm sure it's the nucleotide principle they might explain. But that's not Christianity. It is right to seek counsel. I'm not saying it's wrong to seek counsel. If you know what I'm talking about, it's different from counsel. You know now. What I'm talking about is different from counsel. The primary duty of a pastor is what? Feed people with knowledge and understanding. So by the time you finish telling that person something, he is, is wiser than the first time he came to you for to discuss the matter. Not just the man of God said no. So you see, the primary thing the church needs therefore is what? Sound instruction. Not just to fight. Now, that's what I was trying to say. It's not just to fight the backsliding teachers. You want to pray. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. The first thing you do is say, Lord, give us as it is written, pastors or shepherds after your heart, who will feed us with true knowledge and True understanding. What's that scripture? Just Psalms 45. The one you we asked, we were discussing yesterday. Was it this morning in the house? Guide thy sword upon thy thigh. Almost mighty. Let's read that one. We use it to pray. Let's rise to our feet. Let's rise one to pray. Remember, my message today is to what? Recruit people. This is one prayer point. Remember, I said yesterday and uh, last week. The reason why God gives us good government 
so that we can prosper and make money and build big houses. Our children can go to schools abroad. We can take our holidays in Dubai, Abu Dhabi. Take your wife on honeymoon to France. Nobody's answering me. Is that why? Why does God give good government? So that they can maintain peace while and order. Thank you. While we do the job of preaching. The church won't gather money to build a road from here to Abakliki. Is that the job of the church? That's the job of Buhari, Oshimajo, and Co. Build the road from here to Abakliki. Maintain security on that road. Don't make us increase our faith anytime we want to travel. <laughs> Are you getting my point? That is the job. We'll be at peace. But to guide the gospel everywhere is the reason why we're at peace. We have established that. And I said something the other day, and let me say it again. And I think it's a word of prophecy. If we don't do it, God will collect both the peace and the prosperity, which incidentally in Hebrew, they are the same words, shalom. I think over the last few years, I think Nigeria is the reason why all, uh, all price crashed. When we prospered there, we went mad. Every middle class person had a child abroad going to school. Before your wife gets belay small like this, belay never big, don't small. You don't get ticket, visa. Why? I don't know what the name of I'm applying, you know? When you are tired, you see people who, let me tell you the truth. Now, this is my own doctrine. I'm not saying God said I should tell you. If you have to save money to go for a holiday, the holiday is too big for you. Like I said, what? It's my doctrine. If you like, disagree with it. Now you go sin. You understand my point? <laughs> if you have to be saving up money, it's too big, it's too big. That one should go, go to a back lake, pay for it. No, a back lake. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Peace mass, we take it to a back lake for, how much? Is it 500 now? <laughs> eh? 500. You go to one Catholic retreat center. No be to rest. <laughs> so I want to see the world. The world is on television. Is it creepy putting money together? Want to go for a holiday? Is sin. It's sin. It's sin. It's a bad thing. Holiday is things you do from pocket change. It must not be more than 10%. That's the principle of tithing. <laughs> no, it's not in your Bible. You can take 10% and blow it. Is that not what he said? Like I said last time, if what you are using for holiday is more than one third of the offering you have given, you're a sinner. You are, you are a thief and a robber. You know, see, Christians just create, they create unnecessary values for themselves. Unnecessary values. The people that want to go and rest abroad, they, they, they have never, they don't know Abuja. They've not been to Calabar. They've not even come to Enugu. Let us show them a beautiful city. They burn divine money. Buying ticket. Say this country, I don't know what's going on. How many times have you seen an Arabian come to do holiday in Nigeria? Someone said, I came to holiday in your country. I'm from Saudi, I'm, 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 I'm from Dubai. He said, their country is fine. Why won't it be fine? It's not your money that's making it fine. You keep exporting your money. It gets finer. You complain about your own. If all of us decide that we are going to Calabar for holiday, Calabar keep improving. They have more money to spend. Please, I want to remove this culture of holiday abroad from you. It's meant for, it's pocket change. What did I call it? See, when, when, when your pocket change can do it, do it. You can do foolish things with pocket change. I have no problem with it. 
they, now, they won't finish telling you the story. Because they have to keep telling you the story to give the money value. <laughs> if they went for treatment, would they be telling the story? Because the money automatically has value, makes them well. But this one, there's no value. Some of them even reach there, they fall sick, stay in the hotel for two weeks, then come back home. Now when God wants to deal with Christians, the first food, the first Arabian food you chop, <laughs> you go porch. God said, this one. <laughs> Say, Lord, what is going on? It's my offering money, you are eating it. I'll collect my money back. What am I saying of this? I'm saying. That's why God removes his prosperity. Come on, he said. How much is that dollar? They say it's 120, Lord. They say, make it 400. Then Jesus said, why? He said, with 400, they won't travel again. So children were coming back home. They could, we couldn't pay the school fees. And listen, God said, if I hear me, I'm making 800. If I, if you start again, I am the Lord. I do not change. I will make it 1,002. Until I see that you are spending your money on things that are important. Not that the world has sold you rubbish, rubbish standards. The reason why God gives up prosperity is so we can advance the truth of Christ. Two things we will pray about for the body of Christ. I've established one today. I did a lot of teaching on it so you can understand the importance of it. What is ruining the country now and ruining the world is wrong teaching that the church is giving itself because it is the light of the world. Because Jesus said, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So if the church on the earth is in darkness, that earth is doomed. Psalm 45, let's read it. Combining with Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, and then we'll go home. We're reading three verses. Verses 3, 4, and 5. He said, Guard your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor, and in your majesty, and in your, he said, and in your majesty, ride on victoriously, for the cause of what? For the cause of what? For the cause of what? Truth. He said, for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. And let your right hand teach you or do awesome things. Your arrows are sharp. The peoples fall under you. Your arrows are in the heart of the king's enemies. Who are the people that the arrows of God will sink into? Who are those he considers his enemies? I don't have time to go into it, but they are the people that teach what is false. In the midst of his people. David Paulson once I was listening to him also. He said there was a destructive doctrine that came out at the time. And he told people, he said, this will not meet a good end. He said the three men that were pushing it that time in the UK, he said they died terribly. He said one of them fell from upstairs and landed on the fence that had spikes. He said he warned them. They were Christians. All this Ananias and Sapphira is not a Christian. Anybody preaching that to you, stop listening to him. He's lying to you. The first day he warned them that these things you are preaching, that it will not come to a good end, that God will judge this thing rapidly. Just like Peter said. I know what happened. Three of them in a short time, different times. I've forgotten the details he gave on each one, but the one I remember, said the guy, I think he, he walks on windows. No, they are workmen, you know. Yeah. He tripped and fell. Maybe it was a Nigerian fence they built there. <laughs> the man landed on the fence that had spikes. I don't need to tell you what the spikes did to him. 
You know what David said here? He said, your arrows are sharp. The peoples fall under you. Your arrows are in the heart of the king's enemies. Let's start from Jeremiah chapter 3. Everybody begin to pray. Say, Lord, we need truth. We need understanding. Feed us with truth. Now, you see, this is what's most important. Then the nation cannot change if the church is not being taught the truth. Say, now I want to hear you pray. Say, Lord, feed. You can repeat my words if you wish. You can use your own words. But pray and say, Lord, feed us with your truth. Feed us with knowledge and with understanding. Guard thy sword upon your thigh, Almighty One. Ride on victoriously. Ride on in majesty. Ride on in splendor. For the cause of truth. Pray, say, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Release pastors, true ones, true shepherds, into the midst of your people. Say, Father, according to your word, release pastors into the midst of your people. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. We ask you, send teaching laborers into the harvest field. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, send them, show them, teach them, instruct them, but send them out into the harvest field. It's only when you have prayed that prayer, cannot pray against false doctrines. Because you don't want to create a vacuum. Yes. Now say after me, say in the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Lord, release true teachers. Lord, release true, teachers. True, shepherds. true shepherds. Shepherds of truth. Shepherds, shepherds of understanding. Shepherds, of shepherds who love the flock. Shepherds and shepherds who love the owner of the flock. The say, Lord, release them into this harvest field. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say it again. Say, Lord, release them into the harvest field. As you have promised, I will give you shepherds after my heart who will feed you with knowledge and with understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, next prayer, you're going to pray now and you repeat after me. We're going to now shut down everywhere they are lying from. I'm not saying God should kill anybody. Are you getting my point? I'm forbidden to say that. But whatever he has to do, he has to shut down lies. I hope you're getting my point. It's a simple prayer. Psalm 45. Everybody, we're going to read verses 6. No, verses 3, 4, and 5 together. Are you there? When you're ready, say amen. Amen. All right, one, two, let's go. Guard your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and your majesty. And your majesty ride on victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp. The peoples fall under you. Your arrows are in the heart of the king's enemies. Let's go by it again. From verse 3. Guard your sword on your thigh, O mighty one. Your splendor and your majesty. And your majesty ride on victoriously. For the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp. The peoples fall under you. Your arrows are in the heart of the king's enemies. Now begin to pray. Use your own words for just a minute. Say, Lord, every place where lies are coming into the body of Christ in this nation, we ask you shut them down. Remove their altar, that is their pulpit. Remove their microphone. 
remove money, dismantle the arrangement that propagates falsehood. Lead your people back into the center of truth. In the name of Jesus, let Christ be exalted. Let Christ be exalted. Let nothing else be preached apart from the truth of Jesus Christ. As revealed in the scriptures, the words of the prophets and the words of the apostles and the words of Jesus Christ himself. Only the truth, let no other gospel be preached in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift your words against all those pulpits. We lift your word, your promise against every avenue through which lies have been disseminated. Lord, we say let lies be shut down in the name of Jesus. Simple prayer. Say, Lord, shut them down. Shut them down. Shut them down. Shut them down in the name of Jesus. I say, Lord, remember, give us pastors after your heart who will feed us with knowledge and with understanding. Lord, remember, give us shepherds after your heart who will feed your church, feed your people with knowledge and with understanding in the name of Jesus. Lord, give us shepherds who love you, who love the flock, who have understanding, who are faithful, faithful men. Wherever they are hiding, bring them out from their Lord. But this church must be purified with the washing of water by the word. The word of truth. That is a prayer for the church of Christ. Lord, this church must be purified with the washing of water by the word. By the word of truth. Let the church be filled first of all. Ah, It's a temple that will be filled. It's from inside the temple that truth will come out. Say, Lord, fill your temple with your truth. Say, Lord, fill your temple with your truth. I want you to repeat those words that I'm using. Say, Lord, fill your temple with your truth. Let it be full. Let it feel to be brim and overflow into the communities around. Say, Lord, fill your house with truth. Fill your house with the water of the truth. As the waters cover the seas. In the name of Jesus. Now I want us to read, uh, open your Bibles quickly. Let's read this one. Then we'll close with this. Isaiah chapter 32. If you are there, say amen. amen. He said, Behold, a king will reign righteously, and princes will rule justly. Somebody say amen. amen. Each will be like a refuge from the wind, amen. and a shelter from the storm. Amen. Say amen. amen. He said, Each will be like a refuge from the wind, and a shelter from the storm. Amen. Like the streams of water in a dry country. Amen. Like the shade of a huge rock in a parched land. Amen. Then the eyes of those who, who see will not be blinded. Amen. And the eyes of those who hear will listen. Amen. The mind of the hasty will descend the truth. Amen. I like New Living Translation. It says, Even the hot heads will be full of sense and understanding. Amen. <laughs> Is that not beautiful? And the tongue of the stammerers will hasten to speak clearly. Amen. I want to end in verse 5. No longer will the fool be called noble. Amen. And the rogue be spoken of as generous. Amen. I see your amen loud in that one. Apostle, did you hear that one? They said amen loudly in that one. These are real Pentecostal people. <laughs> you see? <laughs> now listen. We can interpret this scripture by talking about our ministers, our pastors. 
They are the kings and princes. The Bible says, we are praying with it, that they will rule justly. Amen. Say amen. amen. They will rule righteously. Amen. They will rule like brethren. Amen. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans, the way we talked about it just now, we cast it out from amongst us in the name of Jesus. Amen. He said, look at what they will be like. Each will be like a refuge from the wind. Not the one that they say they are looking for your money. No. He said they will be what? A refuge from the wind. That is from disaster outside. That is when you go to them, you hear the word of God to keep you calm in the midst of disaster. That is your duty if you are a minister of the gospel. And that's your duty as every Christian. He said your words will be seasoned with salt. It will minister grace to those who hear it. He said they will be like what? Streams of water in a dry country. When people are confused, they are frustrated. That's where they get encouragement from. Look at what he said. They will be like a, the shade of a huge rock in a patch land. Then the eyes of those who see will not be blinded. The duty of ministers is to help people see. Is to help people have understanding. Is to help people know. To help people stop blaming. Look, like we are saying over the last few days, in that, that discussion I was telling you about, I said people are rebuking the devil when they should be repenting. They are rebuking the devil when they should be repenting. Somebody taught them wrongly. Again, we declare in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is how our ministers will be. Amen. God will give us pastors like this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Who, when the blind sees them, they will see clearly. Amen. Those who were seen will not be blinded. Amen. The ears of those who hear them will be made clear. Amen. The mind of even the hot-headed will understand truth. And the tongue of the stammerers will hasten to speak clearly. Amen. That verse 5 once again. No longer will it be in the body of Christ. That a fool will be called noble. Amen. And the rogue be spoken of as generous. Amen. Who is the fool? The man who doesn't know God. The foolish man says in his heart. There is no God. I will put him in front in church. Because he's rich. Or he has a title. Somebody say not again. Not again. In the name of Jesus. Say amongst us, say it amongst us. Amongst us. The rogue will not be considered generous. The rogue will not be considered generous. I told you, my sister is in the church. She has a very strong prophetic gift. She was not in church that day. They came and reported to her that, uh, brother, let's look for a name. And somebody said, okay, what did they like? Okay. Let's say, brother John Paul. Came and promised six million naira, and he works for state government, civil servant. Now my sister go meet and say, John Poco, I thank God for the breakthrough in your life. Where are you getting six million naira with which you are giving to church? That one went and reported her to pastor. Pastor started to fight. He says, "It's a simple question I asked. Where did you see six million? We know what we do. Then the guy paid the money." And the church collected. And the church building they used it to build collapsed. You know, and the, the church now gathered. All the enemies that said, uh, I said, instead of repenting, you called a rogue generous. God showed you mercy. He broke when there was nobody there. And I said, all the enemies that said will not prosper. Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire is not meant for your enemies. It's meant for you. 
All of you listening to me, upon your head, Holy Ghost fire. Amen. Upon my head, Holy Ghost fire. Amen. When you have Holy Ghost fire, you are anointed to succeed in the work of God in your hands. You will preach with anointing. We'll keep on talking about it. you see God's purpose is that this church should be noble. The reports says something. They may not like the church, that's the world, but they are supposed to respect the church. I don't get my point. He said the world, the church that the world likes, they despise. I don't know what I get, what are you connect to that? If they like the way you do things, when they have trouble, they won't come to you. The church is supposed to have respect. They should know that when you steal money, nobody will recognize you. We declare again in the name of Jesus. Yes, repeat in the name of Jesus. Our princes will rule with righteousness. Our kings will rule, ju- will rule justly. They will be like refuge from the wind. A shelter from the storm. Like streams of water in a dry country. Like the shade of a huge rock in a parched land. The eyes of those who see them will not be blinded. And the ears of those who hear will listen clearly. I like this verse 4. Even the hot heads will be full of sense and understanding. Those who stammer will speak out clearly. He said, no longer will the fool be called noble. Say it again. Amongst us, no longer will the fool be called noble. Or the rogue spoken of as generous. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say this church of Christ in this country we declare purified with the word of truth. Lies are banished in the name of Jesus Christ. Remember, this is your work every morning and every night. We're not here to just entertain ourselves. We're here to teach Christians what they are supposed to pray about. It's not funny anymore. You know, we have legalized and normalized iniquity. You know, things that Pope James said we should not do. We see a rich man, we wash him to the front. We promote him, he becomes a deacon quickly. And give him title to pastor. Why? He brings money. Listen to me, it is a sin. And any church that will not stop that will soon be scattered. No be prayer, now one you know. That is, that has been decreed. Prayers we are requesting. This one, a decree. It has been established. Anybody who will not take warning, then is about to lose his congregation and lose his ministry. When the church gathered in Jerusalem, people were afraid to join them. They were afraid. If you don't give your life to Christ, don't go. People say, Ananias and Sapphira were not Christians. If you know the minds of those people, nobody, they join them. And that is what God wants to restore. When he says he will make Jerusalem a praise on the earth. It's not that they are, all of them will be flying private jets and driving expensive cars. Listen, if you have money, buy a private jet. If you are going to a private place. But that's not the praise we are talking about. If you have money, go ahead and do it. But what's the praise we are talking about? On Saturday, we'll talk about it again. The spirit of Daniel. They will know if the, peop- if the person came out of church, he does not steal. That's the praise we are talking about. Not the one that somebody the other day told me that this was and so church rented his building. He rented his building that they have not paid him. I said, oh God, what were you thinking when you gave them your house? Is that a good testimony? 
You know, I felt bad counseling somebody against the church. He says he's about to sue them. What should he do? I said, don't, don't bother suing them. I said, sir, this is what you will do to get your money. Threaten to embarrass them. They like image. Don't sue them to court. They won't pay you. I know them. I said, okay, they won't pay you. But you know what? I told my wife, I felt bad. This was counsel I was giving against Christians. I told him, I said, oh, if you had told me the day they went to rent your house, I have told you don't bother. I know their character. They don't pay. But they have money. Ha! Huh. Brethren, is it good? You think the Lord loves it? No. He's, he's angry. He has tolerated it for this long. He has tolerated it for this long. It has to come to an end. When he said Jerusalem will be praised on the earth. No. If anybody steals money, they will know one place you don't take it to his church. When you steal money, eat it. Take it to brothel. Carry a shewo. Get drunk. But don't bring it near church. Because those people, it's when you give them a tight, your life becomes tight. <laughs> yes. Because now, we were talking the other day, you see people with stolen money going around town, building churches. Why? They are trying to clear their conscience. When we are the ones that should tell them, say, oh boy, sell all you have and return to who you stole them from. That's the job you have now. So you have, now recruiter, recruit people for God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wake up every morning, enough. This one you don't pray for food, don't do. What do you want to chop again? <laughs> what do you want to eat? It's not this one stomach you have. <laughs> don't worry, you'll be filled. Don't worry about it. Those that, that seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all other things are added to them. But wake up every morning and say, Lord, enough of the embarrassment that goes to the name of Jesus. Let's give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, we thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you. You are birthing something new in our hearts. You are birthing something new in our lives. Say, Lord, we thank you. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. God bless you all today. It's well with you in the name of Jesus. You will seek first the kingdom of God. And all other things will be added to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now I want to let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Please bless three people around you. This is your season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. Two more people.